Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us from Genesis chapter 1 about God's creation of the Sabbath and the creation of the skies and the purpose behind the creation of both of them from the beginning. Now, this message is available for free download at iTunes.com by searching for the Friendship with God podcast. Again, that's iTunes.com or going to friendshipwithgod.org. You can listen to them or download them all for free, friendshipwithgod.org or iTunes.com. Search for the Friendship with God podcast. You can also go to friendshipwithgod.org with your iPhone, iPad, Android, or smart device and go there to our website, friendshipwithgod.org, and you'll find information on how to add the Friendship with God podcast app on your smart device, all for free. Now, you can also donate online at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. We could not air this program, this Bible teaching, Old Testament teaching radio program, without your financial support. And we do need your financial support. So please call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Or go online to friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. Or again, the number is 800-247-3051. Now, also at friendshipwithgod.org, you can sign up for Tom Cantor's Daily Devotional Verse. That's Tom Cantor's Daily Devotional Verse, just a small verse from the Bible, and then also a short commentary, just one, two, three sentences uh, about that verse that will help encourage you along your way with your daily devotion Monday through Friday. Sign up at friendshipwithgod.org or look for Tom Cantor on Facebook. That's Tom Cantor on Facebook. You can search for Friendship with God or Israel Restoration Ministries. You will find Tom Cantor there on Facebook, and you can find that daily devotional verse there. Or again, you can have that sent directly to your phone or email through our website, friendshipwithgod.org. Sign up online, or again, find Tom Cantor on Facebook. Now, here's Tom Cantor teaching us today how evolution robs man of knowing God through his creation. But the Bible-believing Christian sees all creation as decisions of love by God. Lord, our hearts are, are a, a great source of temptation this morning. And we feel enticed to disobey you, to walk away from you. But Lord, we know that through the renewal of our mind, through your scriptures, through your word, that we can become strong. So make us strong this morning. Give us a love for the truth, Lord, and help us to admire our Lord Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Now, turn, if you would, in, uh, in Genesis chapter 2. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had made, and he rested, or he stopped, on the seventh day from all his work, which he had made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because that in it he had rested from all his work, which God created and made. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens and every plant of the field before it was in the earth and every herb of the field before it grew. For the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth and there was not a man to till the ground. But there went up a mist from the earth and watered or gave to drink the whole face of the earth, of the ground. And the Lord God formed, he formed, man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. 
And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and then he put there he put the man whom he had formed, and out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, or good and bad. And a river went out of Eden to water the garden, and from thence it was parted and became into four heads. The name of the first is Pishon, and that is that which compasseth the whole land of Havilah, where there is gold. And the gold of that land is good. There is Bedellium and the onyx stone. And the name of the second river is Gihon, the same as that that compasseth the whole land of Ethiopia. The name of the third river is Hidekel, which is that which goeth toward the east of Assyria. And the fourth is Euphrates. And the Lord God took man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I'll make him a helpmate, meat for him. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all the cattle and to the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. But for Adam... There was not found someone to argue with him. No, I'm sorry. There was, <laughs> there was not found and help meet for him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. Now, we've been studying how God made this world and made this particular place like a temple for a place to, for God and man to meet together. That's what a temple is. That's what a sanctuary really is. If it's going to be an effective sanctuary, an effective temple, it's going to be a meeting place between God and man. And last week we saw also from Isaiah 9, 6, how important it is as we come to the temple of God, albeit here in church or in our morning devotion time, wherever it is, that we worship the Lord Jesus Christ as our hero. Last week I suggested take time, make a list of why the Lord Jesus Christ is our hero. Like that, 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 that poem, How Do I Love Thee, Let Me Count the Ways, and so forth. So this morning now, we come to this chapter 2 and verse 1, which reads, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished. That is a very important place that we're at. Finished. Very important word. Uh, whenever we travel, we have to go sometimes from Tecate to Ensenada, so we could take the, the upper route, take us to the south of Tijuana and go down, but there's another road that goes directly. To, it's very pretty from uh, Tecate to Ensenada. It's a very beautiful drive. But what's so unusual, you go through vineyards and orchards, and what's unusual when you take that drive is that there's big places, and they have these great stone walls that they start down there, and, 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 it, and it looks so nice, but they never get finished. You know, they just kind of like start, and they look so good, and all of a sudden it's just like, then there's barbed wire. But it, it's, and you could sort of see as we drive through there, see, boy, somebody had some great plans 
for this big wall, you know. So, but they never get finished, you know. So sometimes we do that too. We have great plans we don't finish. But that's not God. God is all about finishing what he starts. And this is the first of three great finishes that God has that we learn about. This verse 1 of chapter 2 is the first one. That's the finish of the creation. Thus were the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. Now, you know, a second finish. I know you've got one. On, what are you thinking of, the second finish? At the cross, right? In John 19.30, when Jesus, it said, when he had, it says he, when he received the vinegar, and then he said, it's finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. What was that finish? That was the finish of our redemption. First one, creation, finish of our redemption. Now, that's a very important finish for us as believers, and I want to show you this, because, and turn, if you would, please, to Psalm 22, because here in Psalm 22, it, it, it speaks about the crucifixion and the work that he did on the cross when he made the atonement. He did the atonement work on the cross. That's what he finished. And it says in the very, and you go through this chapter, and it's got that whole history here of how he starts off by saying, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me from the words of my roaring and so forth? And you get the description, they pierced my hands and my feet, and my, my, and, 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 uh, my strength is, is, is dried up like a potsherd and so forth. But you get, and, you, and, and, and you, there's a transition that occurs in this great work, and that is, happens there in, in uh, verse 21, is where he's dying, and he's asking the Father to save him from the lion's mouth, which he does, and he's heard from the horns of the unicorns, and then the transition happens in verse 22, where it's now the declaration, and he says, I will declare thy name unto my brethren, and our part comes in in the last two verses, verse 30 and 31, because it speaks about us. Who are we? In verse 30, we are the seed that shall serve him. We are the seed that shall serve him. We are the ones who are counted as the generation, as his continue, as, as if we were his children. And what do we do in verse 31? We come. First we come, they shall come. That means we go. We seek those who need to know, the lost, about what he did. And what do we do when we find them? It says in 31, we declare or we preach or we tell boldly. And what message do we tell? We tell that the Lord Jesus Christ is the righteous one. He was the perfect sacrifice. Unlike man, we tell... And what do we tell? That he hath done this, or that he finished this. In other words, what he finished on the cross is our message as his children, as his believers. We talk about that. That's the second great finish in the Bible. But there's another one. Turn to Revelation chapter 21, and here we see verses 5 and 6, and here it says, And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these are the things, these are the words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done, or finished. It is finished. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst the fountain of life, the fountain of the water of life freely. That's the third great finish in the Bible. What's that finish of? The new creation. 
So there we have it, the three things that are very important as far as what God finished. His creation, which we're studying now, the redemption that he accomplished on the cross, and the future new creation. Okay, now we come to verses 2 and 3 of chapter 2. And here we are at the subject of the Sabbath. We come to the Sabbath. The Sabbath is so commonly misunderstood. I mean, there are people who think it's the most important issue is over the Sabbath on the day that it's observed, on which day it, it's observed. It's the, like it's the greatest commandment. And so let's ask the question this morning, what is important about the Sabbath? What's important? Well, to keep the Sabbath is one of the Ten Commandments, as you know, from given to us in Exodus 20. Anybody remember why the Sabbath? What is unusual about the Sabbath that is not mentioned in any of the other nine commandments? There's no not, right? There's no not. That's very unusual. I remember as a little kid sitting in, in a synagogue, and they always put the Ten Commandments in the stained glass. So, so anyway, and you look up there, and you see those in Hebrew written, you know, and it's, it's not gentle. It's not, it's not like it is in our, in, our, in our gentle Bibles, you know, thou shalt not. It's not suggestive. It just comes out with this finger pointing at you. says, no, 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 no. That's the way it goes. It says, low, 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 which means no. It says, no adultery, no lying, no false witness. And so after a while, you know, I'm going like this, you know. <laughs> and the Ten Commandments nails you. It nailed me. Anyway, but the Sabbath is not that way because it starts not with the word low, which most of them do, but it starts with another word. What word is it? Yeah, remember. Remember. Keep. Remember. But it has that word. Remember the Sabbath. Keep the Sabbath. Remember the Sabbath. Now, what is it about the Sabbath? It's a time of remembrance. It's a time of remembrance. And what is it that we're supposed to remember about the Sabbath? What is it that's so unusual about this uh, that, that, that we are to remember and not forget? Well, now look at Exodus 20, verse 11. Exodus 20, verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor, do all your work. Seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. Okay? And then he says in verse 11, for in six days, six days, the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all of them there is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. You see, the Sabbath is important because it's a remembrance that God really did create everything in six days, in six days. I've told you that before, I think I have, six literal days that when I, uh, also in temple and synagogue when I was uh, growing up, we had to fast on the Yom Kippur, this, the Day of Atonement. We, we couldn't eat, we couldn't drink, actually. Very terrible day, especially for me, I don't know why, I was a kid. And um, used to go to temple and they would have a plastic bag over the drinking fountain. This was a serious thing, you know. You couldn't drink for 24 hours. So, you know, it was a day of, well, you're supposed to afflict your soul. And Anyway, so I used to sit there and just, you know, think, how long, is this 20, how long can 24 hours be? You know, so it kind of gets ingrained in you as a little kid, you know. So then you, because that's the word yom, yom, day of covering, day of atonement, yom. So it's six days, right? So anyways, after I became Christian and, and, uh, and I saw that some people suggested that Yom was more than 24 hours, that was just out of the question. You know, I couldn't, couldn't accept that. <laughs> it was bad enough being 24 hours, much less anything more than that. 
But that's the Sabbath. It's to remember that in just six 24-hour periods, God created the, everything that we see. It's a day of worship. It's not, a, it's, most, it's not supposed to be a day of your normal work or your servile work. It's a day of worship. It's a day of remembrance. That's what we're doing today. This is the Lord's day for us because we don't work and we are focused on him. So in essence, the principle of the Sabbath, we're keeping the principle of the Sabbath. And we don't have animals that would fall into a ditch. But anyway, we would help it out if we, if we did because that's not the issue is, is what is, is the work. The issue is, the issue is remembering the Lord. And it says here that these are the generations of the heaven and the earth. You know, verse 4 says, when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. This is a very, very crystal clear statement. Generations is an interesting word. Teledoth, it means, it means like a birth, or a, a come, uh, comes from the word that you would also use for a child, young child. You can just feel it. It's talking about, this is how it all came about. This is the origin of the heavens and the earth. This is how it happened in the day that God created created the heavens and the earth. That's what it says. And so it's, it's, it, it, it's not open to interpretation. It's very, very clear what he's saying here about how the origins came about. How did they come about? God created them. There's not another explanation. How long did it take for God to make the skies and the heaven? One day. That's what it says. So where did they come from? They came from God. They didn't come from a big bang, big bang theory. Such an intelligent name for a scientific theory, big bang, you know. <laughs> uh, it takes a big, big brain to come up with a big brain. But anyway, that's not true. And man yet tries so hard to invent a science that disproves this verse. I remember when, when the Apollo 17, and they, they, uh, they sent on that mission scientists to the moon, and they discovered this bright orange glass-like rock, and they said, oh, we found evidence for the Big Bang, you know. But there are always, there are people always trying to support this. But as a believer, when you accept this verse, verse 4, peace comes. Why? Because this is the one, the Lord Jesus Christ, with whom we have to do. He made everything. Now we come to verse 5. And in verse 5, it describes here, every plant of the field before it was in the earth, every herb of the field before it grew, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth. And notice that phrase, and there was not a man to till the ground. That's a significant statement. Why? Because it shows that God was making the earth for man. And it, show, it points out what was missing from the earth. There was not a man to till the earth. Now, verse 8 and 9, the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed, and out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that's pleasant to the sight, that's first, and good for food, second. The tree of life also in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now from verse 4, we are taken from, as we've been seeing so far, the skies and the earth to now focus down on one place on earth, the Garden of Eden, one place. And it's, it's as if here at last 
is the place of God's focus on this, on this garden. Everything that God has made, it seems like, is to adorn this garden or this place. The earth was to be a stage for the garden. The skies and the moons and the stars and the, and the, the sun were for the adornment of the garden. It's a very, very special place. So let's step back a little bit and look at what we see as we move toward this garden, what we've seen already. First of all, Look at, at Genesis 1-3, and let me ask you the question, how is described how light came to be? God said, right? God said, let there be. God spoke, let there be. Okay, there was light. Okay, good. Now, where else do we see in this first chapter God creating by speaking? Where do we see that? Verse 6, God said, firmament. Okay, another one. Nine, okay, God said, Waters gathered. 11. God said grass. 14. God said lights. 20. God said waters bring forth abundantly. 24. God said earth bring forth living creature. But something changes in this pattern when we get to verse 26. What is it? Yeah, let us, which is like there's not God saying here, it's like God, a consultation. There's a consultation. Let us make man. Okay, now look at the first part of uh, chapter 2, verse 7. He formed, he formed man. Remember that's the word, Yatsar from the potter. You know, he formed, he took dust of the ground. We didn't get this, this didn't happen before. And with his own hands, God has now formed. Now look at the second part of verse 7. What is it's unusual here? He breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. God breathed man, he breathed into man life. Something from God left God, went into man, and man became alive, alive. Alive. You've heard of the kiss of death? This was the kiss of life. Man's life stems now, as we're told, from, from something that comes from God and goes into man. Something that they have now in common. Something, it's life, it goes into man. Something from God, his breath, now goes into man, and man becomes a living soul. Now that this is very unusual. So now he plants a garden. God plants a garden. God himself plants a garden. And then he puts man who he formed formed into the garden. So what did he do differently when a garden? He didn't say, and let there be a garden with a lot of plants. That's not what's said here. He didn't say, and let there be man. You see what's going on here? There's a progression that's going on. A progression from creating matter to creating animals by speaking And then we go from that to a progression of consultation, let us make man. And then we go from that to a progression of creating or forming with his hands. And then we go from there to a a, a progression of breathing into man and, and planting a garden. Okay? So what happened here? It's a progression of increased involvement. You see that? It's increased involvement. See, God didn't say, let's make man will be our image. 
He breathed into man. That's it. He breathed into man. He gave him the kiss of life. You know, when you kissed your spouse, you got that was momentous. You got increasingly involved. You were involved. <laughs> the same way that God got in, was going in increased involvement. Involvement of what? Of himself. Increased involvement of himself. Sees so the creation moving toward man, and we see that God is is now. He's not going to let the angels do this or anyone else, but he's going to do it himself. He's going to do it himself. Does that remind you when he said, I go to prepare a place for you? This is so important. I'm going to do it myself. I'm not going to let somebody else do it. I'm going to do it myself. When he came to redeem man, he didn't have an angel or some other being die for man. He did it himself. He got involved, personally involved. And we see this pattern here in, 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 uh, in the first two chapters here of God moving and getting more personally involved. Why is all this important? Because it's showing that as God moves toward his special relationship with man, he's getting more and more involved. Thank you for joining Tom Cantor in the Friendship with God radio program today. Do you have a lost Jewish friend you'd like to reach with the gospel, maybe even a Gentile friend? Well, your Jewish friend can be reached by going to friendshipwithgod.org, and you can get a free gift for your Jewish friend. Now, if you'd like some materials to reach your lost Gentile friends, you can find those online as well at friendshipwithgod.org or calling us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Help reach your lost Jewish or Gentile friends, 800 247 3051. Let Tom Cantor help you to do that. Now, Tom Cantor's also got a resource this month called the 18-Day Calvary CPR Book. It's a wonderful book that will teach you how to inhale scriptures and exhale with a prayer to God. Calvary CPR Book. Now, Calvary CPR stands for Conversational Prayer Reading or as Tom Cantor puts it, Bible breathing, where we just, again, inhale a verse from the Bible and exhale a prayer, a response back to God. This will help you draw closer in your friendship with God, and it's our resource this month for a donation of $20 or more towards the Friendship with God radio program. It helps keep us on the air with this Bible teaching radio program from Tom Cantor. So support the Friendship with God radio program and get the 18-day Calvary CPR book from Tom Cantor that will teach you how to have conversational prayer reading. 800-247-3051. Call us now. 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051. Or go online to friendshipwithgod. Dot org, friendshipwithgod.org to our online bookstore or 800-247-3051. Thanks for listening and join us tomorrow.